Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. Welcome to episode 287 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have a conversation with regular contributor, Little Star Run, artist, writer, composer, musician, ingenue, among other things. We discuss misogyny, a toxic culture that exists in this country and throughout the world. We talk about self-deception of men And we talk about justice and the traumatic effects that aggressive harassment, sexually induced and power mongering of sorts, how it lasts and debilitates among other subject areas. We also have an EW essay titled, Say Something, and an excerpt from F. Scott Fitzgerald's masterpiece, The Great Gatsby, as well as a poem called Slide Trombone. And of course, as is always the case, all of this will be imbued with the music of some wonderful artists. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get to it. Episode 287 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours. Thank you. 
something. Should I say nothing? Nothing about the way I was taught to objectify, the way I have witnessed over and over again, the way white men lie. I know everyone does, but who has the power? Who builds the towers replicative of the member appendage that grants them entrance into all the exclusive clubs? I am somewhat confused as to my role in all of this subtle, under-the-rug mayhem. I am of it. I, in some manner, am drawn to it. With my silence, condone it. We need to own it. There are certainly those who will use it as a means to unjustly ruin others so as to achieve something, but I do believe it is true in the recollections of most who come forward. It takes courage, conviction, and the sense of freedom, a pursuit of moral, ethical, intellectual, and spiritual truth that such might be revealed and held up high, championed, victorious, in the name of love and hope for the future. What is my role in all of this? I should say something.
Little Star Run, is that you? Uh, yes, it is, EW. It's me. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm having a good day. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Despite maybe a lot of the things that are happening around us, I feel okay. Uh, you know, inside. Uh, able to to look at and judge situations from a good place. That's exactly, you know, why you need to feel good in your own self so that you can deal with the craziness outside, right? I mean, we're connected to it in some way. Exactly. I think we've all been feeling that very strongly uh, the past two weeks, I would say. Yeah, I mean, are you, are you alluding to the um, Senate hearings for Supreme Court and everything that's coming around because of that situation? Uh, yes, I am. Uh, and I've been talking to a lot of friends uh, and colleagues, uh, female, who have been especially triggered and traumatized uh, by a lot of the things that they're hearing and, and witnessing. And uh, it's a very sensitive time and it's a very important issue for, for all of us, not just for women, for everyone. Well, of course, it's, it's an issue for everyone, but... I mean, I, myself, I have to say, as a, a white, heterosexual male, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm associated with a group that is, I think, probably a large part, definitely a large part of the problem that we allude to. Um, so it's not the same for me, but I have a responsibility as a person, as a human, uh, as a fellow uh, citizen to make sure I do my part in making sure making sure this doesn't continue you know you i think are alluding to the me too movement in particular i mean among other things that uh, uh are associated with this horrible sort of male uh it seeming seems trend toward uh, not all males but many too many especially those in power towards women and it, you know it's on all levels uh it's not, it's not just on like higher power levels. I mean, this goes from the lowest level to the highest level of men, uh, not all men, okay, we can't say that, but many men. Uh, I heard someone say it in a good way, seeking other men's approval at the expense of women. So men are, are caught up in this toxic culture where they're they're boosting their ego and boosting themselves and uh, making their their own lives go further at the expense of women and at women's detriment and at women's expense and I think that that is what people are so used to and what they have to be you know they have to unlearn this this type of thinking and this type of occurrence like this is so commonplace that people. They, they can't comprehend it that that it could be that it could not exist at some point it's so widespread it it's everywhere like I said on every level uh, well let, let's define it you know you're talking about this behavior you know well, men often will treat women in a certain way so that they can better fit in with other men uh, it this behavior what is it uh, well, um, again, I, I really just feel like it's a 
a boost of the ego and a, a way to... I guess it is actually even hard to define. I personally don't understand that mentality. You know, I'm on the other side. I'm on the, the triggered side and the traumatized side and the, oh my God, I can't believe this is occurring in any capacity side. So, you know, these men feel they can get away with anything, uh, that they're, they're above uh, being reprimanded for, for anything that they do uh, based on their background or the position that they hold. Uh, and again, it's at the expense of women and women's lives. Um, it's not just um, uh, sexual aggression or assault or innuendo. It's other things, too. I think it's deeper than that. Um, you know, insecurities, maybe lack of identity, uh, lack of consciousness. Um, of course, sexual aggression misplaced uh, or misplaced uh, sexual behavior, uh, maybe it stems from an, another type of abuse, you know, uh, those people receive. Not that that's an excuse, but it is a long cycle uh, of dysfunction. And I guess you're also talking about how women don't get paid the same as men in a lot of jobs or... Uh... And so, you know, it's, it's that sort of uh, discrimination, too. Uh, well, not, ju not just... Look at how no one is taking... When, when someone brings up their trauma, people don't take it seriously immediately. They immediately try to discount whatever anyone says. It's never like, oh, wow, that actually happened to you. It's like, mm, did that really happen to you? Hmm. You know, this is why there's that, you know, hashtag believe survivors. I mean, this is what... Uh, survivors and victims of sexual uh, assault deal with forever uh, is that fear of not being believed, fear of being re-traumatized in trying to get some kind of help or empathy or uh, any, any type of uh, assistance it, when these things do happen. It, it, it's almost ridiculous. Uh, why, I mean, here, here, remember, put this out there. People say, why, why did, you know, uh, someone wait 30 years to bring up this situation that they experienced? I mean, if it, if it really happened, or if it was that big of a deal, they would have brought it up more closely, more close to what it actually happened. Well, if you think about it, I mean, let's say, in, in the case of Dr. Ford, uh, in the Brent Kavanaugh case, Dr. Ford was... 15 years old when this occurred uh, and this was in the 1980s so you're 15 years old something horrible and traumatizing happens to you you may blame yourself you probably do blame yourself even though that's not the case uh, are you mature enough to even handle that type of situation at 15 years old I mean I don't think you are I don't even think a lot of women uh, you know fully grown women are are able to handle it. It's it's such a debilitating and uh, just demoralizing thing to go through. Uh, just you know, how how do you respond to that? Okay, she waited a long time. She's stating now that it's her civic duty. I think everyone agrees with her. Maybe she did, maybe she didn't want to relive that trauma. 
She didn't want to have to go through that over and over again. It, when you bring something up again, you relive it completely. I mean, and it's horrible, and we saw that. We saw that in her testimony. Well, you know, and I, I recently was uh, reading somewhere that uh, 30%, only 30% of women who deal with some sort of sexual assault or aggression report it. Even if so you... So 70% 70 don't even ever report it. Even if you report at EW, I have to bring up a personal experience, uh, something that happened to me in New York City. Uh, a cab driver attempted to lock me in a cab and not take me to my destination. And I was, I think I was 19 at the time, uh, and, you know, made, not sexual advances exactly, but, you know, there was an element of that involved. I don't want to get into too many details. It was extremely traumatizing for me. I actually, yeah, I, I don't want to talk about it specifically, but the New York City police were involved. I reported it. I filled out a whole report. The police officers came to pick me up. First thing they asked me was, what were you wearing? First question, nothing else. Wow. That was the first question. 19 years old, just having been through something which is something maybe like a kidnapping sort of situation, right? Uh, first question out of their mouths. I swear I felt I was in a movie, you know, with the good cop, bad cop thing going on, two, two police officers in the front seat asking me what I was wearing when someone did something completely of their own volition that was horrible to me. And they were making it out like it was my fault. <laughs> Do you see? It, it's crazy. I mean... Even if you were wearing a short skirt and a low-cut halter top. Even if I was naked, what would it matter? Right. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So, th this is a really big thing, is, is that this is what we're dealing with. This is what people are used to. This is the view that power structures have towards women and their place in society, from the lowest to the highest level, that... Whenever something bad happens to you, and it's from a man, it's possibly your fault. No matter what it is. No matter... And that is frightening. It's absolutely frightening. And women don't feel safe. We don't feel safe in our professional spaces, uh, our personal spaces. We're... We're more likely to not be believed than we are to be believed. And that's the problem. I cannot relate to that. But you, know, can, can, you can I empathize. You, yeah. And I, and I feel for you and I believe you, but I don't experience it, obviously. And, um, and that's the problem oftentimes, I think, with men trying to understand. Uh, they, what you just described to me is, is not anything that I have ever or whatever, whatever uh, experienced. So it just doesn't. It, it, yeah, it's 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 a it's a disconnect. I I can understand that, but you know you have what we need to do now is focus on all of these stories being told, and that's the shift that's happening in our society is that finally people are speaking out. Obviously, women are still afraid. Um, for instance, uh, I think I had mentioned this before, but something happened in our own community here in northeastern Pennsylvania. 
Uh, I'm a musician. I'm involved in uh, professional musicians' circles. And there was a, a music conference, uh, which was a professional conference on a high level, even though regional, let's say. Uh, and their keynote speaker uh, gave a speech, a misogynistic speech, that included um, insults to women, calling them sluts, to illustrate his points. Any woman that was uh, involved in any story that he was talking about the music industry was somehow lesser than the men who were involved in the story. All the women, he referred to them as sluts or referred to them as how they looked physically um, based, you know, I don't know, on his own personal preferences, let's say. But this was a professional speech given to a crowd of professional musicians and no one said anything. They just laughed, yucked it up. They laughed. There was almost a high five kind of thing going on. Like, yeah, man. Yeah, bro. Totally agree. Yeah, the slut in the dressing room. You know, these kind of... And, and this was a professional conference about how to succeed in the music industry. And I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. And when I saw this, I wasn't there personally, but I saw it in an online video that was circulated and it was disturbing. A lot of the comments were like, yeah, and this man's name is uh, Freddie Fabry, the man who uh, gave this speech. He is a well-known producer and radio personality, and he was allowed to do this, and no one thought anything of it. The man even thought to give a disclaimer in the beginning of his speech, like, oh, what I'm about to say isn't the opinion of the music conference, but what does that matter? You give, I mean, you, you give a disclaimer to your misogynistic speech. Are you kidding us? I mean, it, 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 was, it was ridiculous. Um, and, and were there a lot of female artists there? Or were, you know, was it predominantly men? It was predominantly men, but we have wonderful female musicians in our area. Uh, they just w didn't happen to be at that particular speech. There were one or two. Obviously, they looked highly uncomfortable. They couldn't say anything. Surround I mean, they could, but they might have been ostracized or not taken seriously by all the men in that room because they were the minority. And Do, do you think this is uh, basically a, a sample or a microcosm of, of what goes on in the music industry across the, the continent? Oh, Absolutely. I mean, yeah, this is wide, wide, widely known. Um, this is something that women have to deal with, not only in, in music, but in other artistic professions and, and every profession, I think, in general. Uh, being a minority, not being paid as much, not being taken seriously. Uh, men... just, a piece of, just a piece of, you know, uh, meat, really, too. You know, especially the stereotypes of the rock male rock stars with all of these... These uh, women hanging off of them, doing all kinds of things, whatever they they uh, they want them to. That that's the stereotype that is so easily, so readily available when you're talking about rock stars. You know, but there are plenty of women rock stars in history as well. Uh, but the thing that people tend to focus on is again that male bro culture, men in power positions degrading women, uh, keeping women at bay, making women seem lesser than they are. Uh, and this is widespread. 
And I even felt that I couldn't bring up something on this video. You know, you can live comment uh, on, on these Facebook live videos that circulate. And uh, I even didn't feel comfortable online bringing it up myself. I formed a musicians group with other women so we could discuss it and figure out how we wanted to address the situation. Because when one person speaks up, you know, they're likely to get thrown to the wolves. And we wanted to see how we could approach this in a professional way because we don't want to end our professional relationships with the conference, the Electric City Music Conference in our area. But we also don't feel now that we can support someone or something that allowed this to happen and that allowed women to be treated that way uh, and insulted, uh, alienated, demoralized in that way in a professional setting and not there was no apology. Eventually this video was taken down, uh, but that's not an apology and that's not a public statement saying we don't support this. We're not, you know, this is not going to be allowed to continue. This is not, uh, this is not right, you know. It was just swept under the rug. And then, you know, there are people that were involved maybe high-fiving this guy in the video, whatever. Yeah, bro, you're saying great things. And they are now people that may be commenting on the Brent Kavanaugh case and presenting themselves as allies. And this is the problem, Lawrence, because it's the, okay, in this situation, things are, are acceptable. In this situation, they're not. No, they're not acceptable in any situation. You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. So when you say they're commenting uh, on the Brent Kavanaugh, the Supreme Court justice nominee situation, these same people, these same males in this uh, music industry uh, uh, enclave in, in your community, they would be supporting Kavanaugh? Or you think they'd be saying, no, it's wrong what he uh, did to uh, Dr. Ford? Uh, but they're they're you know they're they're playing a different sort of uh, mentality when they're looking at uh, behavior outside of their own community, or they're doing the same. They're they're supporting Kavanaugh uh, because they're misogynistic across the board. Which which way do you see it? They're not misogynistic across the board. They're selectively misogynistic, and this is the scary part: is because they're saying, okay, in one instance, let's say this guy calling women sluts and everything is fine in that in the music conference setting, but then when the Brent Kavanaugh case comes up, it's, oh, this guy's a scumbag. I don't support that. Oh, no way. But do you see the hypocrisy? Do you see what's occurred? It's like, okay, in this setting, maybe that's not, um, I don't know. So, it deals with my image that much or I, I'm not really sure where it stems from but but there's a level of self-deception there there's no consciousness that's like okay you can't say it's okay on this level and it's not okay on this level because it's a public forum and like the whole US is all commenting on it and you want to fit in it has to be on every level you can't you can't be like okay well you know I'm misogynistic in this case but then I'm not misogynistic in this case because this looks good on paper, do you see? I totally see. Uh, you know that that I see that uh, in so many ways with uh, individuals, and I'm a hypocrite too, and I, I'm a contradiction too. I'm human, but I, you know, uh, having said that, I try not to be, and uh, I don't know that people do. I, you know, I don't know that they reflect. You said the self-deception. 
I, I don't know if there's enough self-reflection um, for people to see the, hip, the, you know, the, the hypocrisy or the double standards and, and the like. Um, it's very frustrating. It is. Uh, and by the way, folks, we're talking to a regular contributor on Troubadours and Rock On Tours, artist, songwriter, musician, ingenue, among other things, Little Star Run. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm confused and, and a bit um, downhearted about the way things seem to be going. And I don't know what's coming. We're, we're talking right now before the Senate vote on whether Kavanaugh will be the next Supreme Court Justice of the United States of America. By the time this airs, he may be. He may well be. Um, and if he is, I'm going to be really downhearted. I think everyone will be. I mean, any, anyone with any sort of heart or sense or empathy uh, is going to be. And it's, it, would, it would be a sad day for our nation. I, I truly believe that. And for women. And for humanity. It's uh, where, again, you know, everyone is saying, oh, Christine uh, Blasey Ford has to pass a lie detector test. She has to go through the ringer. Why does she it... did. She did pass a lie detector test, from what I understand. She did, exactly. That's what I mean. They want to put her through the ringer, but this man is not being put through the ringer. He's the assailant. He's the one, is the accused. Why is she... Everything is being directed to her as the accused. She's the accused for bringing up her experience. And that that's wrong. It's blatantly wrong. And there are other there are other women too that have stepped forward. It's not just one. Exactly, um, and we all know we know this type of bro culture. You know, e even Yale has called. I just read this this morning that Yale has called for a delay in the confirmation of Kavanaugh. Even and his, that's where he went to school. Exactly, that's where I, yeah. they don't want to be associated. Go Yale for doing that. They should have stepped up maybe even from the beginning. Um, oh yeah. Well, they might be doing it for the same reasons. As the musicians you mentioned uh, a couple moments ago are doing it, they want to be looked at as on the right side because they breed this culture. They breed this culture, and they know they do. Uh, uh, most of the Ivy League elite, if not all of them, universities in this country breed this sort of bro culture, where you know you can do what you want, you can be misogynistic, you can be anti-Semitic, you can be racist, you can be classist, and it's okay because you're special. Exactly entitled. They're so entitled, they, they feel they're above everything. And this has to stop. I mean, uh, if, if it won't stop here, what, uh, I mean, this is gonna set the precedent, uh, the precedent for what, what occurs in the future. And we, we need to get it right. They, they need to have an FBI investigation. I mean, I've just been reading, you know, sort of blog updates and stuff lately. I don't know where we're at right now, just that Yale called for his delay and also that the American Bar Association has called for the delay in his confirmation. So let's let's hope. You know, I think that's all we can all we can do right now. And I hear you like slamming stuff. What do you like? You're banging your head on the head not head, sorry, your or your hand on the desk? You're like adamant? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear it. It's great. I'm and, sorry. <laughs> no, 
that's a fact. That's great. Now, what if, let's assume he becomes the next Supreme Court justice. What do we, where do we go from there? Do we just throw our hands up in the air and say, ah, that's just the way it is. I'm going to disconnect from society because it's messed up beyond repair. No, we have to be more vigilant then and speak out more and, you know, uh, use our voices, use what we have. Um, I don't have the answer to that, EW. It's something that frustrates me. The only thing I know how to do is, you know, uh, express myself through art and, and try to be an ally and, uh, and try to um, be in connection with my own voice, maybe allowing other people to connect to theirs. And I think that that's, that's what I know I'm capable of. That's what I try to do. Um, I think yeah. every person has to find what they're capable of and what they can do and, uh, and be vigilant and, and, and not back down. You know, in a way, it's kind of good. And don't get mad at me for saying this. It's kind of good that Donald Trump became president because it's made us see certain aspects of our society that we weren't clearly seeing before. So that maybe we could address these unhealthy aspects, in my view, of society. I'm you know, the racism, the sexism, the, you know, uh, the, just the ignorance, uh, the hate, the distrust, um, and, and also people really hurting and they don't know where to go. So they find victims, they find scapegoats. We have some major, major issues to deal with in this country. And Donald Trump as president has kind of made us look at them. He's made us look at them. Obviously, they've always been there. Uh, right. But we were and, and are desensitized uh, for the most part. And at least you're right, these things are coming up now. Um, and it, it's hard to go through, but it's a necessary shift in consciousness that a lot of people need to, to open themselves up to um, on, on a lot of levels. And, you know, it's hard though, like I said, this, this kind of hearing and this kind of thing has been very triggering for a lot of people that I know. And it's a very sensitive subject for, for women to approach and Again, we're always we're more more apt to not not be believed than we are to be believed, uh, and it's it's a large um, hurdle and it's a, a huge injustice. It's and it's very difficult for a lot of people to to handle. And like I said, when I formed this musicians group to talk about what happened with the Freddie Fabry video in the Electric City Music Conference. Uh, you know, we tried to find some strength in numbers as a whole of all the women musicians in this area. How can we approach this? You know, we don't want to throw one person out there to be the spokesperson and to get eaten, basically. Uh, and I even consulted with other women, you know, before I, I was coming in here and I said, I'm, I think I might mention what happened with the Freddie Fabry thing. You know, can I name names? And, and a lot of them weren't comfortable with that. And understandably so, right? You know, uh, they're still, we're still afraid. Women are still afraid and we need to get past that. We need to get to a point where we feel we can speak out and we're going to be heard. I hear you, sister. And 
And when you say they're afraid, they're afraid of them being looked at as um, nasty, as troublemakers, as you know, tr- you know, something wrong with them. With witches. I mean, what, how many like colorful adjectives can like or, or nouns can we use whenever a woman brings something up? You know, some of these senators are like, "Oh, this is a witch hunt." In the Kavanaugh case, so you know, like the the terms that are used, Lawrence, are ridiculous. Uh, that I mean, that's the level of disrespect uh, and disempowerment there is for women. Like it, it's ludicrous. It well, is. it's like it's like Lindsey Graham, right? He's calling Doctor Ford, who is a very accomplished intellectual. She's brilliant. A she's a victim because she's being manipulated by the Democrats. You know how condescending is that? Exactly. I mean, and she's obviously more intelligent than anyone in that room. You can hear that in her her way of speaking. You know, uh, and I think they're all very surprised. Uh, they're dealing with someone who you know. I mean, even if she wasn't an intellectual, that still wouldn't be a reason to not believe her. But, I mean, I think she's demonstrating that she's acting on her own accord. And she, she's, like, a highly conscious woman. Uh, and, you know, she stated it was her civic duty. And she's right. I mean, how could she let someone like that make decisions about other women's reproductive rights or, or any other issues? How how she probably morally couldn't do that inside herself, knowing what she knows and what she's been through. And she's very brave for doing that. Little star run here on the program. That's about all the time we have this go around. Um, it's a pleasure talking with you and I, you know, very, very uh, uh, appreciative of, that you were willing to share some sensitive uh, issues with, with our listeners on the program. And also uh, showing your own bravery, dealing with some of the misogyny in your own neck of the woods. I, I appreciate that. That's my neck of the woods, too. So it's nice to have you here uh, showing us some of the things that we need to see and reflect and change. Um, I'm going to play a, a song or two of yours on this episode. And if anybody wants to get in you know, contact and get some of your art, how could they? Um, well, just... Little Star Run on every social media <laughs> channel. Uh, one word, Little Star Run. I'm on um, on Facebook, on Bandcamp, iTunes, Spotify. Um, I'm playing a show actually uh, October 5th at the other side in Wilkes-Barre, an indie rock night. Uh, so I have a live show coming up if anyone wants to, to attend. Um, yeah, I guess that that's it. <laughs> I appreciate it. You know, one of my favorite song lyrics of all time, we're here, so what? <laughs> Written by you. <laughs> I love it. Thank, thank you so much, E.W. Um, I, I look forward to seeing you soon and hearing, hearing your music again soon. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Take care of yourself, too. Ciao.
an excerpt from F. Scott Fitzgerald's masterpiece, The Great Gatsby. Chapter 1. In my younger and more vulnerable years, my father gave me some advice that I've been turning around in my mind ever since. Whenever you feel like criticizing anyone, he told me, just remember that all the people in this world haven't had the advantages that you've had. He didn't say any more, but we've always been unusually communicative in a reserved way, and I understood that he meant a great deal more than that. In consequence, I'm inclined to reserve all judgments, a habit that has opened up many curious natures to me and also made me the victim of not a few veteran bores. The abnormal mind is quick to detect and attach itself to this quality when it appears in a normal person. And so it came about that in college I was unjustly accused of being a politician because I was privy to the secret griefs of wild, unknown men. Most of the confidences were unsought. Frequently, I have feigned sleep, preoccupation, or a hostile levity when I realized by some unmistakable sign that an intimate revelation was quivering on the horizon. For the intimate revelations of young men, or at least the terms in which they express them, are usually plagiaristic and marred by obvious suppressions. Reserving judgments is a matter of infinite hope. I am still a little afraid of missing something if I forget that, as my father snobbishly suggested, and I snobbishly repeat, a sense of the fundamental decencies is parceled out unequally at birth. And, after boasting this way of my tolerance, I come to the admission that it has a limit. Conduct may be founded on the hard rock or the wet marshes, but after a certain point, I don't care what it's founded on. When I came back from the East last autumn, I felt that I wanted the world to be in uniform and at a sort of moral attention forever. I wanted no more riotous excursions with privileged glimpses into the human heart. Only Gatsby, the man who gives his name to this book, was exempt from my reaction. Gatsby, who represented everything for which I have an unaffected scorn. If personality is an unbroken series of successful gestures, then there was something gorgeous about him, some heightened sensitivity to the promises of life, as if he were related to one of those intricate machines that register earthquakes 10,000 miles away. This responsiveness had nothing to do with that flabby impressionability which is dignified under the name of the, quote, creative temperament. It was an extraordinary gift for hope, a romantic readiness such as I have never found in any other person and which it is not likely I shall ever find again. No, Gatsby turned out all right at the end. It is what preyed on Gatsby, what foul dust floated in the wake of his dreams that temporarily closed out my interest in the abortive sorrows and short-winded elations of men. My family have been prominent, well-to-do people in this Middle Western city for three generations. The Carraways are something of a clan, and we have a tradition that we're descended from the Dukes of Bukluch. But the actual founder of my line was my grandfather's brother, who came here in 51, sent a substitute to the Civil War, 
and started the wholesale hardware business that my father carries on today. I never saw this great uncle, but I'm supposed to look like him, with special reference to the rather hard-boiled painting that hangs in father's office. I graduated from New Haven in 1915, just a quarter of a century after my father, and a little later I participated in that delayed Teutonic migration known as the Great War. I enjoyed the counter-raid so thoroughly that I came back restless. Instead of being the warm center of the world, the Middle West now seemed like the ragged edge of the universe. So I decided to go east and learn the bond business. Everybody I knew was in the bond business, so I supposed it could support one more single man. All my aunts and uncles talked it over as if they were choosing a prep school for me and finally said, Why, yes, with very grave, hesitant faces. Father agreed to finance me for a year, and after various delays, I came east. Permanently, I thought, in the spring of 22. Feminists don't have a sense of humor Feminists just want to be alone Boo-hoo-hoo-hoo Feminists spread vicious lies and rumors They have a tumor on their funny bone They say Child molestation isn't funny. Ah ha 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 ha! Rape and degradation's just a crime. Lighten up, ladies. Rampant prostitution, sex for money. What's wrong with that? Can't these chicks do anything but whine? Dance break. Feminists just 
Dennis Kucinich, and I approve this message. Slide trombone. Wayward Buddhist monkey sits on my front porch watching the leaves of autumn turn colors and fall gracefully atop the wet with morning dew, long blades of deeply green grass, and thus scratches his hairy ass feeling in the moment totally at home, wishing he had a trombone to slide and tell the world. After all the jets are in the boxes And the clowns have all gone to bed You can hear happiness staggering on down the street Footprints dressed in red And the wind whispers merry Drearily sweeping up the broken pieces of yesterday's life. Somewhere a queen is weeping, somewhere a king has no wife, and the wind it cries, Mary. Thank you. 
And there you have it, episode 287 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, a regular contributor, good friend, artist, little star run. I'd like to thank F. Scott Fitzgerald and these musical artists, Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, Horse Feathers, Coronabin, Brian's TV featuring Little Star Run, Nellie Mackay, Jimi Hendrix and The Experience, Branford Marsalis, and Terrence Blanchard, too. Thanks so much for listening. Until next week, let's enjoy this one.